Hello, welcome to Chi Alpha. My name is Cassidy Griffin, and I am going to tell you a story. Once upon a time, Cassidy was an awkward freshman in high school. Oh man, was she awkward. My home church youth group was going to Poland on a mission trip, and the only way freshmen could go was if their parents came with them. So both my parents decided uh, to come so that I could go. The trip was expensive, so my youth group did a fundraiser. One of the biggest fundraiser was making and selling freezer meals. All the moms and the kids made hundreds of freezer meals. I was, I was standing in an assembly line, and we were making meatballs. Across from me was one of the popular girls in the high school youth group, and in her line were a couple of guys that really liked her. And she was having a great time flirting and giggling, you know, just having a, a good old time. And here's awkward 14-year-old Cassidy trying to be as silent as possible so that no one will notice me. I'm sure all of you guys can relate to this feeling in some respect. With a feeling of being out of place, awkward, being like, wow, I could never be like that. I have no idea how to flirt, Taylor knows. <laughs> And you can just feel, and you just feel like no one is ever going to notice you. And the popular girls will never be your friends. And what guy is going to notice you over the, over a kind of, over a girl like that? Don't worry, the story has a happy ending. So I spent the first, you know, I spent the whole day with Flirty Girl, feeling lower and lower about myself. Now, my mom is an amazing woman. She's extremely smart. My mom also has a, is very observant. She's um, one of the smartest women I know. She has a very high EQ, emotional intelligence. You know, so that's my mom. Um, so my mom and I, we get in the car at the end of the day, and we're driving in silence. And then suddenly she says, Cassidy, I hope you know that you are very beautiful. And I was like, uh, you know, punk kid. She continued, I know you can look at girls like Flirty Girl and feel like you're not as beautiful as her, but you are beautiful. I don't remember what I said, I was just this punk 14 year old, but after that day, uh, I have never doubted that I am beautiful, not in a, a vain or arrogant way, but because my mom told me that, she forever sealed my self-confidence. You know, my mom is an authority figure in my life, and to have her tell me that, it became a solid truth in my life. It was like my mom gifted me self-confidence on a golden platter. Isn't it amazing how one small sentence can change someone's whole life? On the flip side of that, uh, someone told me once that I have a really plain face. That was nice. That was, that was really nice. <laughs> And the only thing that kept me from believing that about myself as a truth was the greater authority my mom had in my mind, that her voice was more influential. Negative as well as positive things can change someone's life. It can change who you are and your identity. The smallest amount of affirmation can be all that you know, anyone ever needs. So think about a time when someone said something to you that became a truth about yourself in your mind. Are there more positive or negative truths about yourself? 
Another truth about myself was told to me by a man named Jesus. John 15, 12 through 17 opened my eyes to a reality of who I am. He says, my command is this, love each other as I love you. And then he goes on to say, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. And he goes on to say, this is my command, love each other. I am a friend of Jesus. This was another moment in my life where a truth about myself was given and became a part of how I define myself. Another positive truth. Do you define yourself as a friend of Jesus? Is that a core part of who you are? Um, in Romans night, um, this is our last night together. Um, it's kind of sad. Another year is over. went by very fast. Um, but please turn with me to Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The, redemp the redemptions of, redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. We were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have... We wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who, then, is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we will face death all day long. 
we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither the height or the, nor the depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is our last Tuesday night of the school year. Um, think with me back to September, way, way back, you can do it. How are you different now? What's changed in you? Take a moment and think about it. I know I'm different. Um, when you get married, suddenly you start getting a lot of bills, doctor's bills, car repair bills, plane flights, conference fees, the list goes on. Um, I feel the weight of responsibility is heavier on my shoulders than it was in September. I've had to think about another life besides my own, and I've had to change patterns and habits that I was very comfortable in. I feel very different. I'm sure you guys have had a moment this year where you felt a little bit lost or unsure. Maybe you've even gone through a spiritual attack that was really difficult to come through. And for some of us, we're looking forward to the summer and going home because, or we're not looking forward to the summer and going home because home is a difficult place. Um, the summer can be lonely. You're not around your friends that you're used to seeing every day and that's a little bit shocking. Or maybe you're going to a summer job that's going to be a challenge. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Christ who died is also interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love that is in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? Jesus saw you and he asked God that you would be forgiven. Did you know the Holy Spirit prays for you? You know, there's so much good stuff in this chapter. You can meditate and consider the truth of this chapter for weeks, for the whole summer. If you don't have a plan for your summer God time, uh, read this chapter every day and do a soap on each verse. I think it will blow your mind. But the phrase we're going to focus on tonight is, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. You know, we all know what a conqueror is. But when was the last time you felt like you conquered something? You know, for example, I used to think that I was a plant killer. Um... I killed plants. But then my friend Jen encouraged me to adopt a plant from the greenhouse here on campus. You know, and it thrived. You know, it's a South African geranium and it started out like, you know, maybe a couple inches tall and is now comes up to my waist. It's several feet tall now. And it's stunning. It lived. I conquered my perception of myself as a plant killer. And I now have 17 plants and they are all alive. But that's a silly example compared to the statement Paul is making. You are more than conquerors. 
What if the truth affected us as deeply as the truth people tell us? Like my mom, for example. What if God influenced how we thought of ourselves more than our friends, our family, our teachers, our bosses? And my mom told me a truth about myself. But aren't things from God more powerful than our moms and our dads and others around us? If God is saying nothing can separate you from my love as long as you walk in obedience, does that change our motivations? What would it take for you to believe these things? Very few of us leave home and head to college without first receiving some type of hurt or trauma or deep wound. Um, I think we all have our family of origin issues. Um, people have said negative things to you that have sunk so deeply into your psyche that it will take a miracle from God to get it rooted out and changed. And I think that miracle is having your identity changed from the things of the world or the people around you, what the people around you have said, to the things God has said, and more specifically, what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has asked you to put your identity in him, to choose to be made in his image every day, to walk like him more and more as the moments pass, just to sit in the knowledge, you know, just sit in the knowledge that Jesus is praying for you, that Jesus is interceding for you. You know, I love discipline um, to the point where when I, if I fail in my disciplines, I get depressed. And if I fail to wake up every morning when I want to, you know, it slightly depresses me. And, and then I have a, a goal for all the things at work I want to accomplish, and if I don't finish them all, you know, it depresses me. Or you could be in the opposite spectrum, that if you don't have spontaneity in your life, you get depressed. And it, you know, it becomes not only a part of your identity, but also like who you are. But what if we, I and you, what if we learn to forgive? What if I learn to forgive my inconsistency and not see them as failures? If you have insecurities or negative truths that the devil likes to enforce, I have, some I, I have some ideas on how to move forward for you. Um, the first idea comes in book form. Um, reading can help so much. Um, it opens your mind and it can reveal so much and it can help you move forward. Um, I have three book suggestions. Uh, the first is The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller. You could read this book like ten times. It's super short. You read it once a day. You also have Victory Over the Darkness um, by Neil T. Anderson. This is a great book. Um, I'll use an example from it later. It's a great book to help you reverse negative truths in your life. And then the final one is Family Ties That Bind, a self-help guide to change through family of origin therapy by Ronald W. Richardson. And this is for you if you want help learning how to start conversations with your family. Um, it helps you put names to things, and it helps you, like, understand how to move forward. Uh, my second thought for you to help you move forward comes from Victory Over the Darkness by Anderson. And Anderson gives a very long list. Um, I'm going to post that list on Facebook. Um, I actually already have. It's on Facebook. Go back and read it through. I'll just give you a few verses right now. Um, 
But go through these verses, memorize these verses, put them on your wall, know them, let them sink into who you are and become the truth about who you are. You could take one of these verses a day and during your God time do a soap on them. You know soap is scripture, observation, application, prayer. You read the whole chapter surrounding the verse. Meditate on it. The word of God transforms the way we think. Um, let's get ready to write them down as I read them to you. So the first section that Neil T. Anderson brings up is the, the phrase, I am accepted. He uses John 15, 15, I am Christ's friend. And Ephesians 1, 5, I have been adopted as God's child. The next section is, I am secure. Uh, he uses Romans 8, 35 through 39, I cannot be separated from the love of God. And Philippians 3, 20, I'm a citizen of heaven. And the third section is, I am significant. Uh, Acts 1, 8, I'm a personal witness of Christ. In Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty one, I am a minister of reconciliation for God. And then my final suggestion for you guys, in order to help you reverse this negative thinking, um, the way to freedom is Jesus. And it says here in Romans eight something very specific. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who loved Him, love Him, for who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So the summer is going to be a lot easier if we continue to grow to be more like Jesus. And that means walking in obedience. God does not work for our good. God does work for our good, but it's not you know our definition of good. You know, the good he wants for us is the good that will glorify him. And that means we have to fight the sin in our lives and, and give up the sin. But remember, Romans 8 also says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Remember that Satan is the accuser, and that he's going to come in and try and deny truth about you. Um, Watchman Nee talks about Romans 8 in his book, The Normal Christian Life, and he says, Some of us, oppressed by your own weakness, may at times have been tempted to think that there are sins which are almost unforgivable. Let us remember the word. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from every sin. Sin which I think can be forgiven, and sins which seem unforgivable. Yes, all sins, conscious and unconscious, remembered or forgotten, are included in these words, every sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from every sin. And it does so because in the first place, it satisfies God. Since God, seeing all of our sin in the light, can forgive them on the basis of the blood. What ground of accusation has Satan? Satan may accuse us before him, but if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31 So when you go home this summer, remember to walk in the will of your Father. And then nothing will be able to, will be able to separate you from the love of God. Um, go to church over the summer. Find a small group. Read your Bible. Ask God what he wants you to do with your life. Use the summer to grow and be reshaped. 
I know when I go home, I'm very tempted to return to old habits, habits of my childhood. And it can be really discouraging. Is there someone in your life who can hold you accountable and encourage you? Ask them to text you every day and see how you're doing. Live in the freedom that Jesus has made you more than a conqueror.